Hi, this is John Stonge, and we just finished up this evening's training session for the Healthy Discipleship Community. Our coaching call just concluded just a few moments ago. And this evening, we were talking about the testing of your faith. Now, I don't know if this season in particular has offered some unique tests for you. I'm assuming it probably has. I think for most of us, we felt our faith being tested in a variety of unique ways right now. But that's part of what we discussed this evening. And what you're going to notice over the coming weeks as we offer these recordings of our training sessions, our coaching calls, we're going to be looking at some of the concepts that are brought up in the book of James. And if you've ever read the book, Book of James, the New Testament book of James. It's toward the end of the scriptures. The New Testament book of James discusses a variety of things that are very practical and very applicable to our day-to-day lives as believers. And so we began this evening's coaching call by talking about the testing of your faith. And it was kind of fun. Tonight we had a variety of people join us. We had a bunch of people from the East Coast, and we also had one guest from the state of Hawaii. So that was the first time we had a guest from Hawaii join our call, and we were really grateful to have them on. So without further ado, here's the recording of this evening's session as we discussed the testing of your faith. Well, good evening and welcome to tonight's coaching call for the Healthy Discipleship Community. We're glad you're able to be with us. On the call with us tonight, we have a group of people from really all over the United States and uh, others about to join us in just a moment. And we're going to be talking about the testing of your faith this evening. And we're going to be looking at scriptures primarily from the book of James. And just a couple quick things I'd like to say as we start up this evening. First of all, during the course of your life, you're going to experience trials and tests. That's one of the things that we can pretty much look at as a guarantee. And I think we could all probably admit that we don't typically look forward to moments like that, but that's the reality for every growing Christian. Sometimes I've heard people present our walk with Christ as if it's going to be uh, just just a cakewalk, you know, in the sense that that as we go through life, we're not going to have any difficulties or anything like that. But when you look at what Scripture tells us, and when you look at the the words of Christ in particular, Jesus makes it abundantly clear for us that we aren't going to experience life in this world in a in a way that is drastically different from how He experienced life in this world. Meaning. When he was here on this earth, there were people that persecuted him. There were people that spoke ill of him. There were people that sought to harm him. There were trials that he endured. And as Christ endured these things, so too will we endure these things. So during the course of your life, you can bank on it. You're going to experience trials and tests. There are going to be challenges that come your way. And again, you may not look forward to it, But since it's our reality, we want to look at these trials and these tests in a redemptive way. Now, knowing that we're going to experience trials in this world, and knowing that we're going to experience seasons when our faith is tested, the Scriptures give us great counsel on how to handle those moments. The Lord inspired these Scriptures to be written down so that we would understand how to navigate these seasons, how to navigate these difficulties and these trials and these challenges that come our way. And that's what we're going to spend the bulk of our time tonight discussing. So I'm going to share a few things for us uh, from the book of James, and then we'll open up our mics and we'll be sharing some personal insights and some discussion related to these topics. But a few things I want to share with us, starting with this, 
In James chapter 1, verse 2, one of the, the vital pieces of counsel that we're given is that when we're in the midst of trials, we're called to remain joyful. Let me read for us James chapter 1, verse 2. There it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's just pause on that scripture for just a moment. I'm going to read it for us again. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, James was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words, and so he wrote these things down. And he was writing these things to Christians who were dealing with with a lot of persecution during that early era of the church. And many of these believers were dealing with persecution in their communities. They were being chased out of their homes. Uh, Right now, here in the United States, we certainly understand the concept of job loss because there's been uh, quite a few people that have lost jobs or at least had their jobs interrupted. Well, believers living during that period of time as they were being chased out of their homes were also losing the ways in which they were uh, making, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, financial means. They were losing their vocations. They were losing their communities. They were losing their homes. They were dealing with persecution. They were being scattered to all sorts of places that they were unfamiliar with. And, um, and here you have James addressing the early church in the midst of a season like that and telling them to count it all joy when they met trials of various kinds. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think naturally speaking that's something I would necessarily think to do in the midst of a trial. If not for the intervention of the Holy Spirit and the counsel that we find in Scripture— This isn't necessarily something that, naturally speaking, I think I would drift toward. I think I'd be more likely to complain in the midst of trials rather than to remain joyful. But here James says, count it all joy. And again, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write these things down. And so he he encourages the church to understand this. He also identifies with the fact that their trials are are going to fit into all different kinds of categories, so there'll be various kinds. You know, at that point, they were dealing with intense persecution. They were being chased out of their homes. They were losing their vocations. They were trying to figure out how to provide for their families while they were moving into unfamiliar areas. And it's kind of interesting when you look at everything that was taking place, um, you know, I, I know in my own life I like to stay put. I like creature comforts. I like going about things in such a way that that I don't have too many interruptions. And I'm sure that the early believers that James was addressing probably appreciated those things as well. But the Lord had great purposes for the trials that they were experiencing. Those believers probably would have just stayed put right where they were, whether it be in the city of Jerusalem or some of the surrounding areas, and not gone to new areas and new places if they had not endured persecution. But as they were persecuted, they were scattered. Uh, Some theologians refer to them as the the diaspora, the scattered seed. They were going out, and they they were believers being basically forcefully just thrust out into culture, and there they were as gospel witnesses in new areas that if their life had remained comfortable and predictable, they wouldn't have gone to those areas. So again, James says, remain joyful in the midst of those trials, whatever kind of trial they may be. Then he goes on to give additional counsel. 
And he teaches us that we can grow steadfast. So we can remain joyful in the midst of our trials. We can grow steadfast in the midst of our trials as well. And he says this in James chapter 1, verse 3. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Again, I'll read that. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Uh, right now, we're at, at a season where uh, it's it's early September as we're recording this, and and children are going back to school. I have uh, two children that are in college and two children that are in high school, and so school this week is underway for all four of them. And uh, my son, even just earlier today, sent me a text with a picture of a question that was on an exam uh, in a class that he's taking on statistics. And uh, already, you know, he's being quizzed and he's being examined and he's being tested in regard to his his studies. And um, that forces him to have to buckle down and learn more and, and prepare for that. And here the scripture tells us that the testing of our faith produces something that's helpful for us. We're told that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. So this is the Holy Spirit telling James, write this down. He's inspiring James to pen this down so that we would know that there's a good result that comes from our faith being tested. Being tested is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It produces steadfastness. It develops strength. It helps us to persevere in the midst of all we're going through. Some of the most steady people I know in my life, and I'm sure you can testify to this as well, but some of the most steady people I know in my life are people that have gone through some things that really stretched them and really tested them. And as a result, they developed strength. They became stronger in their walk with the Lord. They became stronger as individuals. They became stronger members of the, of the Christian community as they went through trials, as they went through seasons of testing. They became steadfast. And I think that that's something that's pretty helpful for us to be able to notice as we look at this scripture, because it's encouraging us to recognize that there are good things that come from our trials. I always find myself in a spot or frequently find myself in a spot when I'm going through a trial where I just want it to end. I just want it to finish. I just want it to be done. Uh, even even just uh, uh, this evening at dinner, my wife and I were talking, and I said, you know, all the interruptions we're experiencing right now culturally, I just want it to be over. <laughs> I just want it to end. And uh, I, I think I sometimes develop that mindset toward any kind of trial, whatever it may be, or whatever test of faith. I, I, I find myself just wanting it to quickly pass. But again, when you look at what James tells us in, in verse 3 of James chapter 1, he says that there's a good result that comes from the testing of our faith. We become steadfast. So I guess we probably shouldn't try to rush our trials to be over. We should probably look at them and say, okay, you know what? Um, there are good things that come from this. There's one other thing that he points out to us in the early portion of, of James chapter 1, and he encourages us that in the midst of our seasons of testing, we, we also have the privilege to become mature. The way he says it in James chapter 1, verse 4, he says it like this, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And what he's saying there is he's talking about this idea of steadfastness having its full effect so that we may be perfect and complete. He's talking about the spiritual maturity that a person develops as they go through seasons of testing. If over the course of your life you've noticed 
some people that have had very cushy lives and, and very uh, easy experiences over the course of their lives, uh, sometimes they, they don't necessarily strike you as a very strong person. And sometimes they may even convey a, a high degree of immaturity. I know when I look back over the course of my life, when I think back to my childhood, there are things that I said and I did because I didn't really have a whole lot of wisdom that came from experiences to inform my behavior in a different way. And so I look back at those young seasons of life and I think to myself, all right, that was a, a very immature moment. And part of the reason that all of us are so immature when we're younger is because we haven't been tested yet. We haven't gone through seasons that have the, the capacity to refine us quite as much yet. That happens over time as we get older, as we mature, and it produces that maturity. It, it helps facilitate that kind of growth. And so, again, James is encouraging us to understand that this is an additional benefit that comes from these seasons of testing, these seasons of trial. He, he's basically telling us, listen, don't fight it. Don't fight the growth that the Lord's trying to facilitate in your life. Let steadfastness have its full effect so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And the idea, again, that he's conveying there is that so you're, you can be spiritually and socially mature as you walk with the Lord in the midst of your seasons of testing. Now, a few additional things I want to point out to us this evening, even before we open up the mics, just a few things that I want you to consider as you think about how, how times of trial and times of testing have operated in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, first off, let me state this. God is more concerned with your long-term holiness than your momentary comfort. Think about that for just a second. God is more concerned with your long-term holiness than your momentary comfort. I know for me that, that a lot of times, <laughs> if I'm really, really honest with you, one of my main goals in life seems to be to facilitate my own comfort. If I'm hungry, I, I want food. If, I'm, uh, if I've been on my feet all day, I just want a, a chair and preferably a, a, a comfortable chair. Uh, but, and maybe you've even heard people say in regard to their wishes for their children, uh, I've certainly heard people say, I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be happy. Well, when the Lord looks at his children, he makes it abundantly clear in Scripture that he is more concerned with the, the long-term holiness of his children than their momentary comfort. So keep that in mind in a very personal way as you think about what this Scripture is conveying. You know, as the early verses of James are speaking about the purpose of trials, it seems that the Lord's using these things to refine us, to help us to grow, to help us become mature, to help us understand and appreciate the nature of holiness, what it looks like to live a set-apart life in the midst of an evil generation. Something else that I think is uh, certainly a benefit of our seasons of testing, and that's this, a faith that's tested is shown to be genuine. Now, there are people in your life that you are convinced that they know the Lord, and you are convinced that they love the Lord. And a big part of why you are convinced of those things is because you have seen their faith tested. Maybe you've seen them go through a family trial, or a health issue, or a financial concern, and you've watched them trust the Lord to supply what they needed in the midst of what they were going through. And their faith, as it was tested, it was shown to be genuine. As their faith was tested, they learned to rely on the Lord more. And they became more personally convinced that the Lord was reliable. And a faith that's tested, it's shown to be real. And people, 
begin to take confidence in the Lord as they observe the testimony of his people walking with him in the midst of trials. So part of the reason that the Lord may allow either me or you to go through a season of testing, it may not just be for our benefit, it may also be for the benefit of those who are observing our lives so that they would understand what it looks like to see a genuine faith put into practice. A third concept to consider that I think is useful to keep in mind, and that's this, that it's one thing to appreciate a trial after it's complete, but it's another thing to value it while you're in the midst of it. So when I look back over the course of my life, and I think through the seasons of trial that I've gone through, or the times where my faith has been tested, I appreciate those moments. It's you know, it's certainly valuable to appreciate them in retrospect. But I think it's, it's a further evidence of the development of our faith and our maturity if, in addition to appreciating a trial after it's complete, we also get to a spot where we can begin valuing it while we're in the midst of it. I actually think that's what James was saying earlier when we were looking at the Scriptures. He was talking about consider these things a, a moment or an occasion for joy. He's saying, you know, while you're in the midst of the trial, it's useful to value it. It's useful to, to appreciate it. You don't have to wait till it's complete, until it's past, before you learn from it or value it. You can value it while you're in the midst of it. And as our faith grows to be on that kind of level, uh, that's the type of thing that that I think the Lord begins to show us uh, in the midst of those seasons of trial, he shows us that we can have joy in him regardless of whatever our circumstances may be. A fourth thing to consider that uh, I want to point out to us this evening, and that's this. Trials and tests don't mean God is angry with you, and they certainly don't mean he has abandoned you. Frequently in my role as a pastor, I meet with individuals and I meet with couples that are going through different trials and different issues and different concerns. And one of the things that I've heard brought up many times is the, the curiosity or the question of, you know, has, has God abandoned me or is he, is he angry with me? Is he upset with me about something? Is that why he's allowing me to go through this trial? But when you look at what the Scripture tells us in the early verses of James, James is speaking about these things to believers. James is speaking to these things uh, to people who are the children of God, the spiritual children of God. And James is saying good things come from your trials and tests. And he doesn't seem to indicate there, as he's, as he's opening up this, this chapter, that God is angry with them or that God has abandoned them. He's implying in his words that God is right there with them and that the Lord's facilitating the development of their faith through these trials and through these tests. So that's something to consider. Don't just automatically assume that God's angry with you or that God's abandoned you just because you're going through a season of testing. It very well may be that this is actually evidence of his love and a reminder to you that he's present with you and that he has not abandoned you, but he's, he's refining you. He's, he's disciplining you. He's helping you to grow in faith and learn what it means to rely on him in the midst of all circumstances. Fifth thing to consider is this. Seasons of testing tend to facilitate fervent prayer. 
Now, I consider myself a person of prayer, and I'm sure most of us on this call would consider ourselves people who are, are devoted to prayer. That's a regular facet of our lives as, as we're believers in Jesus Christ. Those of you that are listening to the recording of this via the podcast, I hope that you also value fervent prayer. Uh, but one of the things that I think I've noticed in my own life, so I, I won't pick on anyone else, I'll just pick on myself, even though I think I'm, I'm somebody who values prayer, I'd have to admit that I think I pray a little bit extra, a little bit more, sometimes a lot more, when I'm going through a season of testing, when I'm going through a season of trial. And that's one of the benefits that tends to come out of those seasons. Again, even though I don't really endure, in, tend to enjoy seasons of testing like I should, I want to enjoy them more in the sense that James speaks of that in this passage. But one of the things that I can say very obviously is a, a benefit in regard to these seasons is the fact that I tend to pray more. And I tend to pray with more seriousness. And I tend to pray with more desperation as I bring my needs and I bring my concerns before the Lord. And maybe you've noticed that in your own life as well. And one last thing that I, wa that I want to mention before we open up the mics and we start discussing these things, and that's the example of Jesus himself. Never forget the trials and tests that Jesus was willing to endure on your behalf. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, here in this, in our context, in the flesh, taking on flesh and walking among us. And he was willing to endure trials, and he was willing to endure tests. And he did all of that on our behalf. And it wasn't that the father was mad at him or anything like that. In fact, the father was well pleased with the son, and Scripture makes that abundantly clear. But Jesus endured trials, and he endured tests because he knew it would be for our benefit. And he knew that as he endured all the things that he was willing to endure, that we would be the recipients and the beneficiaries of his goodness and his grace and all the things that would come to pass in our lives because of what he endured on our behalf. And so don't forget the trials and tests Jesus endured on your behalf if you're going through a season of testing. You're not going through something that, script, that, that Jesus himself can't identify with. In fact, in uh, the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Christ is our merciful and faithful high priest. He knows what it's like to go through what we go through. He endured it. Scripture tells us he endured it without sin. And we're encouraged to follow his example. And we could be reminded of the fact that it's if Jesus was willing to go through this, who are we to say that we shouldn't go through seasons of trial or seasons of tests. If Christ was willing to endure it, you know, we're not above him. And so if he was willing to endure it, so too should we. And he brings, again, wonderful things into our lives through those seasons of trial and seasons of testing. And so keep in mind his example when you go through those seasons. Now, in just a moment, we're going to be opening up the mics and uh, discussing more about this. For those of you that are on the recording and just listening to this, I'd encourage you to stop by my website, desirejesus.com, for some tools that I hope will be helpful to you in your walk with Christ. You could also stop by healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com for additional resources. But right now, I'm going to stop my screen share, and I'm going to bring our, our guests up on the screen here. 
So you guys are welcome to join us via audio or via video. But I have a few questions for us as we kind of uh, open up the discussion time related to trials and tests. And I'd, I'd uh, love to hear if somebody would uh, kind of jump on this first one right away. But the first question I have for you is this. What is your current perspective toward times of testing? Well, John, <laughs> you know I have been through one for uh, probably about the last year regarding a church, but I want to go back a little further, and I think it really kind of set the framework for where I am now about trusting God during a trial. Um, 2011, I actually lost my job. I had uh, unemployment coming in for six months, and then that stopped. I had applied to 239 different employers for work. Nothing. Crickets. The time that we were without employment, and even the time where we had no money coming in, my mortgage was paid, my lights stayed on, we had food on the table, God just kept providing and all we did was we just said, Lord, you know what? We're going to trust you. Your word says that you're going to provide everything we need. So, Lord, we're going to put our faith in you about that. And he came through. You watched and him meet the need. Absolutely. So, given similar circumstances now, would it still be scary? I don't think anybody in their right mind would say no. Of course <laughs> it's going to be scary. But I think the more that I've had those situations come up where things were like, oh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we've got this bill that we need to pay. Well, guess what? Here's this check comes in from nowhere uh, to meet that need. They know God is going to meet them. And so it's put me in a place now where I don't have to second guess what's coming. I just know as long as I, I put my faith and trust in him, that's going to work out. So, He's going to meet your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Some other thoughts on that. What's your current perspective toward times of testing? Um, in my uh, ministry, in my life, uh, we've had many, many times that we were tested in fact, uh, the, one, the one that I'm thinking about right now, I really can't even share here. Maybe I'd share it with Pastor Stang privately uh, because it, it also reflects on the church. Hmm. But um, I think w one aspect of, of testing, too, is just the time that we live in now. Uh, the church uh, is fractured. Uh, there are so many, uh, so many different jurisdictions, denominations, and when you see, uh, just for one example, uh, the different, uh, the different as uh, understandings that they have on abortion, uh, those churches that say it's perfectly okay, it, it, it's scriptural, and then the other churches say, whoa, whoa, that's not what scripture says. From whatever perspective you're at, and our church is uh, not for abortion. But from whatever perspective you're at, 
uh, the fact that the church is fractured makes it that much more difficult and makes the uh, uh, makes the time uh, the not the anxiety but just the uh, just the uh, present presenting ourselves as uh, the children of God when the children of God themselves have just so uh, uh, dramatically different uh, uh, understandings mm -hmm. of uh, God's teaching. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, what, one of the things, and maybe you've experienced this too, uh, maybe all of us on this call have experienced this, um, one of the things that, that the Lord's been teaching me, very similar to what you just said, um, related to when I feel the most stressed or when I feel the most overwhelmed, it usually comes back to what I'm trying to do too much by myself. And I'm not reaching out for the shoulder of my brother or sister in Christ, you know, where I'm, I'm just trying to endure all sorts of things. And yet scripture says, bear one another's burdens. And so as you're talking about the church being fractured and, and believers not necessarily operating on the same page, you know, one of the things that can, that the Lord can certainly use to help us endure seasons of trial or seasons of testing is the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ as we bear one another's burdens in the midst of it. I don't know if you have ever had, and maybe you could even just do this by like, by like nod of head or, or like a vote of hand, but have you ever had a season where you just felt, felt so worn out and exhausted and a brother or sister in Christ just offered to take a moment and pray for you and you just pause from everything you're doing. You just sit and listen while somebody else prayed for you. And in, and as that's happening, you're thinking, all right, this is so wonderful. Why did I not just straight up request this immediately? Why did somebody else have to notice this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing the thumbs up there. Right. I mean, there's, there are times in my life where I, I just sit back and I, you know, I have one particular friend, a very good friend who uh, from time to time, he's noticed if I've been um, troubled with something and he goes out of his way, he's another pastor, he goes out of his way to just say, hey, John, can I just pause for a moment to lift you up in prayer? And I've, I've told him multiple times, I'm like, brother, you, you were my pastor right now in this moment. And uh, what a blessing that is. And, and it truly, that fellowship that the Lord allows us to have one with another truly does help us in the midst of our seasons of testing. I, so I agree with that perspective. All right, here's, a, here's another question I have for you. Okay, sorry, Paul. I see, yeah, go for it. Um, oh, Karen. We get to hear Karen's voice for the first time. All right, Karen, let's hear it. What I've noticed, it, it's hard sometimes to be going through the trials, but what it does is it gives you greater empathy for others that, that go through trials. And um, Paul writes, too, that um, it talks about the God of all comfort, Yes. It comforts us in our trials and so that we can extend the same comfort to others. So we, we right. go through our trials, we receive comfort from the Lord, and he enables us to be that vehicle for giving comfort to others. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't that a lovely portion of Scripture for, uh, from 2 Corinthians, right? Yeah, um, yeah where, you know, the Lord, he, he shows us so many aspects of his nature throughout the course of his word, where he would refer to himself in Scripture through the words of the Apostle Paul, as the God of all comfort, you know, that he comforts us. And even the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you know, he's a counselor and he's a comforter, right? Isn't that wonderful? All right, here's a question. I, I tried to be creative with this one here. So I'll be interested to hear any perspectives here on the call tonight. Um, but do you fight, flee, or freeze when you're under trial? Think about that. Do you fight, 
flee or freeze when you're under trial. You see where I'm going with that one? You know, you ever t- like hear the phrase, like, do you have the, the fight or flight uh, uh, impulse, you know, when you're in, in, in the midst of stress? And I, I think we could even add freeze to that, right? Fight, flee, or freeze, um, you know, when, when you're under trial. Do you ever analyze what your default setting is? All right, we got a comment here. Uh, let's see, from Sarah, she says, she fights. Yeah, all right. So in the midst of trial, you're, you know, you, you find yourself, all right, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight it, all right? Uh, Andrea says, I freeze, okay? I, I know Andrea real well because we've been married for a good long time now. <laughs> so I knew, Andrea, even though we can't hear your voice right now, I knew that was going to be your, I thought it was going to be your answer. I guess I shouldn't make assumptions, but I thought that was the answer you were going to give. So thanks. Mike says, all right, fight. All right. Any other, uh, any other thoughts here? You know, fight, flee, or freeze when you're under trial. What do you think? Well, what'd you say, Karen? I, I saw your mouth move, but I couldn't hear you. You freeze? The whole idea of being paralyzed by fear. We yes. Just, some, and sometimes you just get thrown into such confusion that you don't know what's the next thing to do. Right. It's like the whole, the whole word, like the concept of being petrified. You know, when someone says they're petrified, it's like I've, I've, fro- I've like uh, formed into like a rock. You know, I've just become solid. I'm, I'm, I'm still like a rock. I'm petrified. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I don't know if I would say freeze. Uh, there's got to be a, the, uh, when I, when I'm, when I'm under attack, uh, first thing I do is wait because I've got to know where it's coming from, who's involved, and then, you know, so maybe I freeze, but I don't really freeze because I'm analyzing. And, and you know, you've got to know, you got to know what it's all about because then you know how to deal with it. Uh, even, even attack, I don't know if I would even... Because I deal with things, I have to deal with them all the time. I believe you, <laughs> but, but it's not—it's not attacking. It's—it's—it's it's, it's trying to even even when you have to give correction. Uh, our 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 church, uh, our lectionary this Sunday was the the story of if if a uh, if you had if you have something uh, against your mm-hmm. um, uh, fellow, a fellow uh, believer that you confront them. And if right. they won't listen to you, then you take two more. And if they yeah. won't listen Matthew to you, Matthew 18. Yeah. Exactly. And if they don't, then treat them like a Gentile or, or a tax collector. And I thought that was always interesting because Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I wouldn't say attack as much as trying to deal with them in, 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 in Christian love. Right. Yeah, it's and you're you're in that spot of uh, leadership too, you know, in your context there. And so a lot of times when when you're in leadership and you're juggling all sorts of circumstances and personalities, it's almost like you're playing chess in your mind as you're trying to assess things and trying trying to think two steps ahead and and uh, think about all right, well, what are the dynamics that impact this person in this situation and definitely identify with what you're saying. So it's almost like you're you're saying you momentarily freeze or or you pause to assess and then determine which direction you're headed in, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, it, it's, it's just kind of fascinating, right? I, and I kind of, I br- I'll tell you why I brought that up. Um, I think it's useful for us to know what our default setting is, because none of these is wrong, right? Wh- whether you fight, flee, or freeze, 
Um, it's just like a default setting. It's part of your personality style and how the Lord designed you. It's not like one is better than the other. It's just, you know, what we tend to do in a moment, right? And the Lord's designed us all uh, a, a bit differently. But it's kind of useful to know what your default is so that you can just be aware of what's going on when you're in the midst of a trial. And sometimes you can see your response even before you admit to yourself what you're enduring. All right. Here, here's a, here's a, an, a, a sort of an opinion question, but it's not really an opinion question. I think it's, it's based on definitions here. So um, we have a, a, a few teachers on the call with us tonight here. So uh, maybe one of the teachers can chime in on this too. Um, my question is, how is joy different from comfort or happiness? Because James was talking about consider it all joy when you go through trials of various kinds, right? So what what does that mean? You know, how is joy different from comfort and happiness? Anyone want to share some insight on how joy would be different? Well, joy is not based on your circumstances where happiness and pleasure are. Yeah. Yeah. So one is based on circumstances. One isn't, right? So joy is a steady confidence that we have in the Lord in the midst of any circumstance. So no matter what gets thrown at us, we're confident that the Lord will work all things together for our good and for his glory, and we can look beyond it, right? It's, it's like cousins with hope in the sense that you could look beyond it. Like I can have joy in the Lord whether I'm in a lion's den or whether I'm in a fiery furnace or whether I'm in, uh, you know, on a nature trail, right? Or what would what, you say, Paul? Or a parish meeting. Or a parish meeting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible to have joy in a parish meeting, Paul? I don't, you have to tell me. <laughs> yes, if you're wearing a helmet. <laughs> you have to, if you're wearing a helmet. Okay. That's. It's meeting, whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In our context, we would just say like a, a, a board meeting or a director's meeting. Um, you know, those are the, the teachers that are on here, you know, can you have joy in, uh, like, a when you're meeting with your school board and, <laughs> or, or how about parent teacher conferences? Can you have joy in the midst of parent teacher conferences? Is that possible? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, joy is very different from comfort and happiness, right? It's very different. You know, joy we have in the midst of, of no matter, like I can be uncomfortable and have joy. I can be, uh, you know, even in a sense, like unhappy, right? You know, uh, at least unhappy with my circumstances, but still have joy in the sense that I could see beyond the circumstances. And I think that that's useful for us to to wrestle with as believers, because wouldn't you say most people in your day-to-day life are basically spending their entire lives trying to pursue comfort and happiness and maybe trying to find it through worldly means instead of realizing they have something offered to them that's better. Joy in Christ is much better than the comfort we find in earthly ease, right? You know, any, anyone want to add a, a, any additional thoughts to that? Or any additional insights? I think understanding and knowing that difference is, is really key because it plays into uh, remembering where our hope lies, you know, and that, you know, like, cause happiness can be so fleeting. You know, you can be happy one moment and not the next, uh, you know, things can be fine today and really hard tomorrow. And, you know, just the, like understanding the concept of joy and that our joy is, 
far above the earthly circumstances just keeps our hope rooted where it needs to be. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just an important thing for us as believers to recognize. And uh, I think that that's why the Holy Spirit inspired James to pen that down right there at the start. It's one of the foundational scriptures in this or foundational concepts in that discussion on trials. You know, even before he goes into some of the benefits of the trials, he encourages us maintain that joy in the midst of them. You know, it's foundational. Yeah, Paul. I think one of the most uh, dramatic, if you will, uh, moments when we can witness that joy is uh, when we're ministering to somebody who's dying. Hmm. And uh, you, you can definitely, you can definitely tell that the person who is uh, a, a joyful, he, he or she is at peace. Um, they, they, they real even, even when they're uh, in suffering, uh, just before their, their last uh, moments. Um, they just had, there's a tranquility uh, that exists in a person who is uh, in the Lord. Uh, and and the, fe- the, the fear is gone. Mm-hmm. The fear is gone. And I think that's one aspect of joy uh, that is one of the greatest gifts that our Lord gives us because the absence of fear um, that comes along with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example, a powerful example, really, when you think of it. Um, Excellent. Um, All right, here's a new question for us. And John, we see on there, so good to see you. Um, Have you ever thanked God for a previous trial? Have you ever thanked him for a previous trial? I wonder if anyone has a story for us. You ever thanked God? And keep in mind, you know, we have listeners to the podcast. A whole bunch of people are going to download this and hear your story. So, um, so you know, t- testify. Uh, you know, like, l- l- let's, let's give God glory here on, on this. Have you ever thanked God for a previous trial? Anyone have a story they'd like to share? I see a lot of smiling faces. Those of you that are listening to the recording can't see the faces. I'm see- All right, John, I see you unmuted your mic. Let's hear your story. Have you ever thanked God for a previous trial? Um, and it's probably the one that taught me the most just to completely surrender and trust in God. It's, I'm going to summarize as much as I can because it's quite the, the ride of a story. <laughs> uh, when my wife was due with our second child, she was uh, ended up being a week past her due date, so they decided to induce her. So we had that scheduled, so we were going in for that. So we would go through that. The birth went went well with the with all that, but during the whole time period, I was dealing with a stomachache. I thought, okay, well, it was Memorial Day, the uh, night that we went into the hospital. So I thought I ate like a bad burger, bad something didn't sit right with me with the stress of the pregnancy and all that. So. I was kind of dealing with that all week again. The one day I just ate a, just a protein bar and nothing else other than that. So my diet was off. I was in the hospital with eating whatever hospital food they gave us for a couple of days. So we get back. Um, everything goes, goes well with the birth. We're coming, we come home, but um, my son's bilirubin count ended up being high. So we, um, so we were dealing with that. They had, they had a nurse come with a vest to put him in all that. The so we come home. I forget if it was Wednesday. I think it was we came home on a Thursday, 
And then on Saturday, I went and took my son, my older son, to for a like a four or five mile bike ride, ride to a playground on like a 90 degree day. And all week, the stomach ache still hadn't gone away. So we get back from the bike ride and it went from a stomach ache to shooting pains down my leg. But we get back from the bike ride and my wife says, I was talking to the nurse, the Billy Rubin counts too high. They want us to come back into the, take uh, my infant son back to the hospital. So we take him back in. So we're there Saturday night and Sunday morning at like 1230, 1 a.m. I'm laying on this half bed, half chair thing in the hospital and just crazy pain shooting down my leg to the point where I can't sleep. And my original th thing was, okay, well, I, like, again, I dealt with a stomach ache all week and discomfort. And it just, I thought just something was, I thought just, just the stress of the week and all that, just, there was weird diet and all. And I figured, okay, well, well, if we'll ride it out to the weekend. And if Monday, if I'm still not feeling lousy, I'll feel, go to the doctor or something like that. You just wanted and to I'll wait till all your body parts were in complete pain, right? <laughs> wanted to. <t> <laughs> so, um, so again, Sunday morning, I couldn't sleep. And my wife's like, like, you know what, we're, we're already here in the hospital. Just go, go to the ER and see what's wrong. So I go leave them, go wander down to the ER and check myself in there. And turns out I have appendicitis. Oh boy. And once they got me in, got me checked in, got me on antibiotics, like did an MRI, things like that. At some point, I think I know based off of when the pain like escalated, I was already on pain medication and there was an antibiotics and I know when it escalated. And I think that's when my appendix actually ruptured. So thankfully I was already on antibiotics. So it was okay. But so I was in the hospital there. So that, so they ended up doing the surgery on Monday, but I, I think they released my wife and son. I think it was Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon or something like that. And so I had my appendix out, everything went well with that, but then the recovery of that. So it was while I was laying in the hospital, not able to get up and really do anything and move knowing I had a newborn son at home and I couldn't do anything to help them. It was at that point that it was like, Lord, you're teaching me something here. You're basically saying as much as you want to do everything for everybody, always I'm telling you, teaching you that you need to surrender it all to me and just everything just I, you, you are completely unable to do anything for anyone right now. And this is where you need to be. You need to, do this. You need to go home. You have a weight limit. You can't pick up the kids. You can't help with the kids. You have to stay at rest from work for a couple of days. So it was like, there was that lesson that I taught that still back to this day, I am so thankful for going through that. And just knowing through that whole time period, like even like I had, uh, had someone afterwards ask me like, well, weren't you scared or weren't you worried about it? I was like, honestly, no, it just, just even in the moment, I realized that this is this is what the Lord was teaching me in that moment. And just all through it, it was just kind of like, this is where we're at. And I'm just along for the ride. I'm mm. just I'm just telling where telling people are telling me where I need to be and what I need to do. And I'm just take following instructions and letting the Lord guide. And that was that was one of the biggest lessons of my life that, like I said, I'm, I'm still thankful for that day. But it's it's still one of those examples that I can look back on and say, that I can't, there's nothing, nothing in that's really under my control. And in just a snap second, it can all be taken away and you're lying in a hospital room, helpless, not able to do anything for anybody, even though there's the people that around you that may think they may need you, you, you can't do anything. 
Mm -hmm. um, one other, other quick example that I've, I've had that not necessarily a trial, but I know we had a time period where we've, um, due to the distance we were traveling, the, the a church we were going to was about an hour away. And it was fine when I was single, when I had, didn't have kids, but now with two kids being serving on sound ministry and drum ministry and things like that and having two services for me and my family, it was basically like a whole nother work day where I was away from my family and we weren't able to really and go to church together. We were taking two separate cars and um, I mean, I had to get to the point where I'd realized that it was too much. And then even if I did, I felt like, well, the church needs me. They need me to, they don't have any other sound guys. They don't have any, many drummers. So I knew that it, it was at the point where the Lord kind of had to speak to me and say, no, the Lord will fill those spots. You need to do what's best for your family. And that's, if you follow that leading and step down and, and it's, it's his church and he'll, he'll take care of those positions and he'll, it'll, the need will, will be filled. You don't feel like you have to fill that. Yeah. Good examples. Yeah. So moments where the Lord very clearly taught you, you can thank him for a trial. You can thank him for something that you're going through. Absolutely. Um, thanks for sharing that, John. I appreciate that. Um, I, I have one final question for us tonight, and I'd be curious to hear what you guys think about this. And I, I alluded already uh, just during the teaching time uh, some of my thoughts about this, but maybe you guys have some thoughts that you could add to it. But what tends to change about your prayer life during seasons of testing? What tends to change about your prayer life during seasons of testing? I, I think one of the things I already shared with you is the fact that um, frequency of prayer tends to increase for me. And, um, you know, maybe I could even say like desperation <laughs> of, of prayer. What urgency? Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah. So that's what you would testify to, John. You'd say urgency, yeah. like that, that's tends to change about your prayer life during seasons of testing urgency. Yeah, I agree. Some other yeah. thoughts. And then, and yeah. then now, like I said, going through that now, it, it will cause me to think back on that moment of what did I have to do with this, that surrender. I just need to, when you're talking about that freeze or fight or flee, my thought was it's, it, that taught me that I, sometimes I do just need to surrender Yeah. instead of it's, it, it is kind of almost a freeze, but basically say, okay, just step back and say, Lord, you got this. Don't, it's, it's in God's don't, hands. Don't let me get in the way. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes we have to learn that lesson the hard way. Good. I think it brings out also, over time, a genuineness of prayer. So you're more, uh, I guess, you're more apt to tell the Lord that you're angry about a circumstance mm -hmm. or confused or whatever, where maybe you just kind of gloss over it when things are going okay. Like, hey, God doesn't want to hear that I'm angry about something. He already knows. But I think it's in those times where it allows us to say, yeah, you know, I can tell this to God and he can handle it, you know, and he's not going to get upset with me because I'm angry about a circumstance or situation going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like forces you, forces you to, to be on, uh, on more authentic. Right. I see in the uh, comments there, Sarah says, um, I've been asking for a lot of guidance lately. Can we, can we uh, affirm that with Sarah? You know, uh, I mean, 
I, I hope all of us are asking for the, for guidance here. Yeah. I see the, the thumbs up and the, uh, the hand claps there. Um, Sarah, I'm, I, I don't know if you could see that or not, but others are in agreement with you. You know, we've been, I mean, this is a season, you know, there's a lot of unprecedented things that we're experiencing right now. And uh, a lot that, you know, I think we really wrestle with right now. And it's like, Lord, can you give us guidance? Cause we're in uncharted territory. Listen, Absolutely. Paul, what do you think? I just wanted to jump in on that because uh, you were asking us specifically mm-hmm. for me. Uh, I find when, when I'm in a time of trial, uh, I, I increase my prayer uh, time and I spend time uh, just, I'm talking to God, just talking and talking and talking. But then I get all talked out. <laughs> and I find that at the end of all of that, what I do is I still spend the prayer time, but I'm spending more time listening. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're talking, 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 but we're not, it, 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 the more we talk, the less God, we can hear God. <laughs> and uh, God has a message. And, you know, we need to let, we need to open our ears. Uh, but like, uh, 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 Elijah, you know, he, he, uh, a, a storm, uh, earthquake, fire, uh, but it was that small voice. But if you're always talking, hmm. you can't hear that small voice. Right. Yeah. So often in our, our prayer times, you know, we, uh, we take the entire prayer time for us to, to do all the requesting and all the speaking and very little time to do the listening. And uh, yeah, that's a good point. Wonderful. Yeah, to, to piggyback on that, I think of also the, with Moses when the children pour the Red Sea, where Moses has to say, they're all freaking out. And Moses says, no, stand still and see what the Lord will have to, will do for you. There's, there's a time to do, there's a time to be working, there's a time to be following but then there's also that time to, to just stand still and, and watch and see what he'll do for us. Yeah. That's hard to do, isn't it? At times, you know, and it almost like the Lord at times, I think does the favor for us of bringing us to that spot where we recognize I have exhausted all my ideas or all of my energy or all of my natural opportunities. The only thing I can do in this moment is stand still and just trust that the Lord's going to do what he said he's going to do and what a favor that is. Right. And in old Testament, uh, she knows scripture and she knows references better than I do, but in old scripture, uh, old Testament, he even says, be still mm-hmm. and know that I am God. Yep. If you know that he's God, if you're still and know that he's God. That's right. Be still and know. Yeah. Be still and know that I am God. Good counsel. Well, this was wonderful. I'm, I'm grateful that you guys were able to carve out some time to be on our call tonight. Uh, we're also uh, just going to take a quick moment to say hi to our podcast listeners. Grateful if, uh, if you guys are on there listening with us. Uh, wonderful to have you joining us uh, in that capacity as well. And what I want to do as we, as we finish up this evening um, is just have a, just a brief word of prayer for us. Um, you know, I, I'm certain with um, just, just knowing the season of, and the times in which we live in, uh, some of the testimonies that have been shared live here on the call and, and some of those that I'm, I'm sure that are listening to the, to the recording right now, there are things that we're going through right now that many of us would say, all right, this is a, 
this is quite a trial. It was unforeseen. It wasn't something I, I expected or anticipated. And so I just want to lift these things up before the Lord in prayer. And so those of you that are on the call here tonight, uh, if you wouldn't mind joining me in prayer here, and we'll just lift these things up before the Lord as we finish up tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be your children. And Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you give us your counsel in your word. And in the midst of all the things that we're enduring, all the things that we're facing, so many uncertain things, we're grateful for the fact that we can have joy in you. We're grateful for the fact that in the midst of our trials, you develop steadfastness and maturity within us, and you teach us to rely on you more, and you invite us to come before you, and you develop our trust in you. And Lord, we pray for those that are live here on the call tonight. We pray that whatever testing or trial we may be going through, that we would trust you in the midst of it. We pray that your hand would be upon us and that we would have joy in the midst of what we're facing right now. Lord, we pray for those that may be joining us by accessing the recording of this via the podcast. We pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, that you'd give them the strength and the help and the guidance that they need, and that they'd trust you more and more in the midst of this season of trial that they may be enduring. But Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you are present with us. We're grateful for the fact that we could just, at times, just be still and, and know that you are God. And that being still sometimes is, is the exact right thing you want us to do in a given moment. So, Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you give us your counsel. We're grateful for your comfort. And we're grateful for your presence with us right now. And we pray that we would trust you again in the midst of all that we endure. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll be doing this. So we're, we're switching up our schedule a little bit. And uh, if you're on the email list, you'll see that the next event we're going to do is not going to be next Tuesday. It's going to be in two weeks. So we're going to do this again in two weeks on, uh, on Tuesday. Um, and uh, those date, that information will come out via the uh, email list if you're, if you're on there. So we hope to have you on there. And what we're going to be doing for the next little bit, we're going to be looking at selections from the book of James like we did this evening and seeing some of the things that James brings up in the scriptures that I hope will be encouraging to our faith. Some people refer to the book of James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at some selections from the book of James. So our next time that we're going to be getting together will be in two weeks at this same time. And we'd love to have you on the call with us if you're able to join us. So have a wonderful evening. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.